Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Well, I don't want to Jackson. Tomorrow, Matt Weber on a board. SP Futures up 16. The SP Futures up 77. They were down last night. We've spun around. Uh, futures up 72. We had a pretty powerful day yesterday, uh, but very mixed. Uh, like two or three stacks doing all that. We were up 206 in the NASDAQ, but NVIDIA was up 30, and uh, Microsoft was up like 6. Uh, Tesla was up 12, but the rest of uh, <clears throat> the Russell in some places were down. So it's a very interesting day. Dow was down a little bit. S&P was up 30, but it was, um, you know, like I said, it was kind of concentrated in one area. And today, we, Brandon, are you? I'm doing okay today, Chief. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just kind of running through. Uh, um, S&P has downgrade, downgraded a bunch of U.S. banks. Uh, citing tough operating conditions. Um, so there you go. Um, explain to me how for how many years we've we've listened to the uh, talking heads tell us that higher interest rates are terrific for banks, and when they go up, the banks are going to just kick ass. And now, since they've gone up, everybody's down downgrading banks because of tough tough operating conditions because the interest rates are too high. Well, you just can't trust all the experts all the time. They're going to change their tune. <laughs> what do you have to What do you have to do to be an expert? Just say you're an expert. I I say you're an expert. And what? Uh, whatever you want to talk about oh, on right. the market, on the sports, stocks and jocks. How come if I'm such an How come if I'm such an expert, I learn so much every week? <laughs> That's what experts do because you take that knowledge and you transform it so that you can uh, keep ratcheting up your, your knowledge base but also your influence on everybody else. Ah, well, it, is, it is stunning, though, that however much you think you know, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. That's right. See, that's what makes you an expert. Ah. The more you know, the more you don't know. There was and a, you, remember uh, Channel 26? Yeah. They, uh, it's probably before your time, Maddie, but they had, uh, they had kind WCIU. of an... WCIU. Yeah, they had, they had like an all-day finance and news thing. It was actually pretty good. It was Jack Taylor was on there and uh, was it Claude Renz and a couple other people, but they actually had a show, Ask an Expert. <laughs> and they would have a... So my brother and Dr. J would go out there all the time and then they would always interview people on the trading floor. They always interviewed Audrey. and Because, uh, uh, well, Audrey's a good-looking lady and she was on the trading floor and had the rose-colored you know, broker jacket and the whole bit. They interviewed John and a bunch of other people from the trading floor. It was, it was a lot of fun. But it, I was, I was, those guys around used to say, "Well, you guys on X an expert again?" Using the South Side term, but uh, but John and John and Dan would be on a lot. And you know, the, the show was actually <clears throat> was actually in a lot of ways better because the people who came from the trading floor to be interviewed didn't really have the same axe to grind as everybody's got an agenda. It's on CNBC, I think. Uh-huh. 
So yeah. they, it was a, it was pretty interesting. Odd's best line was something like, uh, "Market market's good. It's going up. Get yourself some volatility and buy some or something, something along those lines." But uh, but she was right. It was up that whole week. Uh, anyway, so the market seems to be wanting to make a comeback, uh, running over the last couple of weeks. Although there appears to be a few uh, headwinds, um, with, you know, the bank stuff going on and these downgrades and the China situation. And, you know, I just was going to talk to you a little bit about how is it that, you know, how you, there seems to be a lot of information out there in this China stuff that you're dying to, dying to find out about and you just can't seem to, can't get your hands around it. Like, I wonder if some people have it or nobody's got it or where's the central clearinghouse of who's in, who's in trouble over there. Either that. Well, I, think, I think it's hard to find information on China because I think they're secretive. Uh, so secret. I mean, look at look at the recent history of what they've done to, to keep themselves still isolated. I mean, they're trying to come into the world as a world power, but yet keep a lot of things internal um, without any disclosure as to what might really be going on in their country, like the persecution of minority groups, uh, like child labor, and yeah. like a whole bunch of other stuff. Well, I mean, how many people do you think they knocked off with COVID? They're older people. Well, I, I don't know if they knocked out people with COVID, but uh, uh, I think a lot of people did die during the COVID situation in China that we'll never know about because the numbers won't be disclosed. Yeah, I remember the, uh, you don't see it anymore, but the person who used to, well, the people, whoever they were, they would, they used to publish the amount of uh, cell phone numbers no longer used. It was, like mm-hmm. in the, it was like in the millions. Well, yeah, and some of the leading doctors who were involved in, uh, you know, treating COVID in the early stages disappeared. Some yeah. of them, some of them, admittedly uh, died from COVID, but others just kind of disappeared and uh, are nowhere to be found anymore. Maybe they're with Jack Ma. Could be. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, you know, don't really. Uh, oh, it was a it was a bad situation over there for sure. I just. You know, I guess there's one way to get rid of old people. I hope I hope that's hope they didn't do it on purpose, Brendan. But I, you know, you, you got to wonder sometimes um, that they just said, "Well, it's too bad," type of thing. What do you uh, What do you think the situation is with these with banks? I I uh, I don't know. I noticed it. Not that I was in trying to get loans or anything like that. But when when the interest rates got down to like nothing and the banks weren't giving anybody any money for any you know no interest on any stuff. Their incentive, a lot of that times, they could just turn around that money and give it to the, the Fed at night. It was paying, you know, say one percent or eight tenths of a percent. So, you know, one percent or eight tenths of a percent on, you know, the billions of dollars the banks had. You know, it's not the same as a real loan, but it's not horrible either. Um, but it's also a lot safer. Yeah, and I mean, I just wonder now that they're actually having to pay three and four and five percent for some of this money. How many of them even have the big loan departments anymore? I mean, they don't give auto loans. I don't think a lot of banks do have big loan departments anymore. And, um, you know, when we were building our house over in Michigan, the um, it, it was very difficult to find a mortgage loan, even for, uh, I mean, we had a hard time finding it. Um, and, and I think a lot of the banks were, were not doing the underwriting purposes the way that they did before. So it is it is challenging now, and you know even though interest rates are going up, it makes it harder for people to borrow money because of the uncertainty of their own economic, both personal and business loans. Um, 
you know, you, you kind of blown through the sweet spot of where people can say, yeah, I'm going to take a risk and pay 4%, 5% for, for loans, but when they get up to 7%, I'm a little leery about going there. And then the banks are worried about getting repaid because well, it's not as safe as going to the Fed overnight. Well, you know, it, it seems to me, although uh, you, know, you don't know what's in, anybody, in anybody's mind, uh, it seems to me that the entire... I won't say the entire, but it seems to me that we, we all, we, as, as a country, after the kind of the odd economics of the last 15 years, everybody needs to take a break and, and go to night school for three nights or a week for a month or something to relearn economics. Because mm-hmm. it, it, what, we, what we've had has not been normal, uh, you know, is the term, whatever normal means. But I, mean, I think the, the, simple, the simple operation of a bank is if they're going to pay you or me, 4 or 5% for our money, okay? They're doing that because they have somebody either they who finds them or they find who's reliable is going to pay them 7%, right? Yeah. And, and, and out of the two, you pay everybody's salaries, the building, and maybe buy some Little League uniforms, right? Right. I mean, mm-hmm. And I don't know that anybody even, I suppose if everybody sat down and really put, you know, put it down on a piece of paper, they, it's it's obvious, but it it doesn't seem that obvious over the last few years, does it? I mean, it? No, it doesn't. But that seems pretty clear and obvious to me. And I think that's it's been that way from time immemorial, that that's how banks and savings and loans work. I mean, that's th- think about what Tolman did as, as an institution on the, on the south side uh, with homes to the people on the southwest side, taking a risk on, on newer people to the country and younger folks coming in and buying their first homes. And putting the money back to work in the community. Well, I think they were they were for, well they were forced to right because of savings loan eighty five percent of the loans had to be mortgages right. Well, yeah, but my yeah. my point is that that's what the institutions did. They put the money back into the community, whether they were banks or savings and loans. That and you're right. I mean, if if you're required to put eighty five percent of your your money into mortgages, then that's what you're going to do. But it's still the setup that right. you're you're making mortgages. You're not going for overnight investments with the Fed to to make money. You're you're putting the money to work, and the risk is lower, and it's also spread out over a lot more people in the community. Well, if it wasn't for the the Fed and the and the the government screwing them all over, they'd also be in business today. In one man's opinion. Yeah. Um, there there have been ups and downs because of, uh, well, also, I mean, the whole real estate market. Think about back in the late 80s and 90s when the Essen loan debacle hit nationwide. I mean, I yeah. remember the days of Charlie Keating out in Arizona where he was flying high and all of a sudden everything crashed around him. Well, I'm going to go back all further than that. I'm going to say 78 to 81 is when yeah. you read the Resolution Trust. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a very simple formula. I mean, we had... Uh, where the hell did I get my loan? Well, I, I, well, I was when I got mine, it was like twelve percent, so I was at the back end of that. But for years and years, it was you paid your passbook was what three and a quarter, the mortgage was six and a quarter, and a three percent difference paid for everything, right? And once in a while, somebody, but the, and the, you, you knew the neighborhood, you knew the bungalow. So if the guy didn't pay, you repossessed it. You didn't lose hardly anything because somebody people put twenty percent down, right? And the price right. of the bungalow never went down 20% unless you torched it. Right. So, I mean, it really wasn't, I mean, it was a lot of work, but it wasn't all that risky. If you start, yeah. if you start, and all of a sudden, uh, 
you know, they decide we got way too much money in the system, we got to pull it out, and Volcker, right, what, what is your, you're, you're nowhere near as, consp- yet anyway, although I think I'm affecting you, uh, you're not near as conspiratorial as I am. I I wonder, Brennan, the more I read about that area, and I, I should stop doing it because all it does is, is aggravate me about something 40 years ago. Uh, when I read about that, I don't think that Volcker had to go near as far as he did. I, I think he put that industry out of business on purpose because the big banks wanted that business. They wanted the, and there, there were people even in Chicago were talking about it. When I was there, all he did was talk about how how inefficient savings and loan business was and how it should be a national risk market where people put these uh, loans together in portfolios and how much more competitive it would be than if the savings and loans did it, even though there were 10 savings and loans on the south side competing, right? It wasn't like there was only one. Hell, there were like, there was Evergreen Savings and Loan, Oakland Savings and Loan, Tom and everybody, Amity, Concordia. Bank. Yeah, there, was, there were all kinds of them. There was a lot of, comp- yeah. way more competition than there is now. And, yeah. But they, they, they couldn't wait to put that. All they did was talk about how, how uh, that industry was in, you know, in, inefficient. And I, I don't think Volcker had to go anywhere near the 12% that he did, or, or 13 I think he could have stopped at 9 or 10 and I think those some of those places would have survived. You, am I all wet with that, or am I just revisionist history, or what? Um, I, I'm of the camp that that's revisionist history and conspiratorial that uh, I, I, I don't have enough information about that. And I, I start from the premise that Volcker did what he had to do, and given the times nationwide. I don't think that it, it was set out to destroy the savings and loans uh, market. Well, I, don't, I don't know if it set out to do it, but it, I get this. If it, if it would have happened just once, Brennan, here, I, I know I'm, I, you're not going to agree with me on this, which is fine. That's good radio. Uh, if it happened just once and you saw this massive change of ownership from one group of people to another, like like the new politicians' buddies, and then, then it happened again in 2000, right? And it happened again in 2007. Aren't you starting to sense some sort of a pattern here when you see this massive amounts of some people's assets going to other people that maybe maybe there's something behind it? I mean, I, if it would happen just once, I'd be 100% in agreement with you. And yet, to me, it's happened like three times, and every time the outcome's the same. I mean, in 2007, how many people had never not paid their mortgage at six and a half, seven percent had their housing prices go down and yet could not get a mortgage at three and a half or four like everybody else because the house didn't appraise out but they, ne- they never didn't miss so you're paying two grand a month but you can't qualify for a mortgage at fourteen hundred a month I mean to me that was so asinine I, I can't even go there I mean doesn't it seem to you that things are sort of weird every, every time somebody gets to buy your place at a price that you can you could probably have still stayed there. I mean, doesn't doesn't it doesn't there seem to be a pattern here, or am I just being totally goofy? Well, I think that there's a difference between the attribution as to the intent behind that. That somebody developed a plan that that was going to be the outcome, and other people just taking advantage of it. I don't I don't know if it was the plan to start with, but when it started to get obvious. I mean, I, when when that was all happening. Brandon, I was working at Pullman at the time. Actually, mm-hmm. I didn't come down here. The last four months, six months, maybe even a year, there there was no inflation, and yet Volcker still had the pedal to the metal. 
I mean, a lot of that is just a, a natural CPI, even if you're being legit with it, which I don't think they are now. Even if you're being legit, it's a lagging indicator. Mm-hmm. So I think the the CPI was showing inflation when there really wasn't any. And, of, and of, just like this time, it was showing no inflation when obviously there is, or was, and still is. Right? I mean, this thing wasn't showing any two years ago, and everybody in the world knew it was already here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in, in general it's a lagging indicator. You know, I they, that whole concept of uh, what makes me feel this wacky way, I don't know we get on this subject, uh, one of my first clients and our first big client, he's got to be long dead, he was a pilot in World War II, uh, he was from Arizona, and he was, you know, was a buddy of Keating. And he was like the second biggest developer out there. But Keating, had, he managed to get out most of his properties before it happened because he kind of saw the painting, or, you know, the paint on the wall. And uh, he was a pretty smart guy. But he, he uh, when they started going through their resolution trust, they they found buyers for stuff at like sixty cents on a dollar and were overruled by Washington, and people got in because they could buy five and six properties instead of two, and were able to, were able to buy this stuff at like forty cents on a dollar. I think Phoenician went for like thirty five cents on a buck when they had yeah, a buyer for bad. sixty. <laughs> yeah, and, but they had a buyer higher, and and, yeah. and Bush's guys and this is Bush one's guys in Washington said, oh no, we don't want to play with these Trump guys, and if you look through the the resolution. And I agree with you. It probably wasn't intent, but you know, they they would lend you if you had money to to pick up some of these properties off these savings and loans. They were still operating these properties. So if you if you had the uh, ability to come up with say a million bucks, they would lend, they would loan you like ninety nine times more of that, eight or nine times more of that. So you could buy ten million dollars worth of properties. But if you really were in the inner circle, they lent you the first million as well. Brandon, you and I could have done pretty well doing that. Lend me $10 million to buy stuff for $0.30 cents on the buck. You, you and I, could we possibly have screwed that up? It's always possible to screw something up, but it's very unlikely under those circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying even even we, even we could make a buck buying the Phoenician at $0.25 cents on the dollar? I mean, probably. That's right. <laughs> well, it's a nice place. You ever been there? Oh, yeah. I've, I've stayed there. And a friend of mine used to own a house on the – the east side of the Phoenician Resort. And when they put the golf course in, they asked him for an easement. It was like a a 10-foot easement along his property line for like the golf cart and the the buffer from the golf cart to his house. And in exchange, they gave him the ability to play free on the Phoenician golf course after like two or three in the afternoon any day, year round. Wow, I never never played the course, is it nice? I imagine it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a very, and I think they had two courses out there. And so he was on the east side, uh, right along 64th Street, and uh, his backyard abutted the Phoenician. And he had a, a, he gave them an easement for the property, and in exchange, he would go out there three, four, five times a week, play the back nine on on his side of the the course, and walk home after that. Well, what uh, that that that'd be pretty nice. <laughs> Yeah, what do you think is is the source of uh, the loans for these mid mid and small banks now at these prices? Of course, I guess you can you can pay somebody two or three percent, put it in T bills for five, and you can still scalp it that way right now. But I mean, what what do you think the source of loans are? I mean, is, is it it's not it's not really mortgages. They sell the mortgages. Uh, I guess there's well, some commercial mortgage. Now, that was one of the problems. The, the mortgage backed securities was a big problem when you're talking about whether it was a conspiracy or not. 
I think the plan for the the mortgage-backed securities was a huge impact, negative impact on the economy and on the housing market because you no longer knew who your banker was. You know, we were talking before about like Tallman and Amity and, and Evergreen and all the savings and loans. If you were having a problem with your loan, you'd walk down and you talk to Jack behind the desk, and you know Jack would work things out with you. Um, and say, okay, don't pay me this month, but pay me one and a half next month and one and a half the time after, the month after that when you get back on your feet. When you had the mortgage-backed securities, you didn't know who had it or how many times it had been shuffled before. I mean, even trying to unwind or refinance was a horrible experience because you didn't know who had to give approvals or where the loan really was. You had a servicer, but the servicer really didn't have that much impact on the mortgage. So. You know, it when you're talking about a conspiracy theory, I think you've also got to look at other things too. As to I, I would agree. Other things completely came into play here, what? and the idea the idea behind a mortgage-backed security was good in limited effects. I mean, the idea of bundling a hundred mortgages uh, as a package was good, but all of those mortgage packages, those mortgage-backed securities, were only as strong as the weakest links. And when you had the preponderance of mortgage loans and mortgage-backed securities increasing, there was a higher likelihood of failure. And the further you went into it and the more deals were made, the weaker the loan packages got, and that contributed to a big failure. Well, you're right. And, you know, in addition, Kevin's texting in that a lot of that was generational, and a lot of those things, the families converted them and went into stock places and then sold them to people. So I mean, yeah. he's right about that. I When I got my mortgage... Is the Amity the guys that were on 104th and Pulaski? I, I got my uh, yeah, mortgage I, I there. 87th and, uh, and Ashland, just west of Ashland on 87th Street. Well, I got, I got whoever, whoever the guys were on 104th and Pulaski, I got mine in Beverly, and it's got to be like 1985-ish. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to say, Brennan, I was, I was only there two years before somebody came by and offered me money for the house. I get, sold it to them, uh, which mm-hmm. I shouldn't have. But uh, I think I, I was on my third different direction to send the check mm-hmm. it was you know I think then I sent it to Chesterfield then it was I don't know who the last one was but there were there and were Washington two. Mutual got in there for yeah. a long period of time as a big buyer and servicer and and but you did you know if you wanted to try to amend your mortgage if you want to try to refinance or, or make any changes it, it took an inordinate yeah. amount of time because you couldn't find who to make who would make the decision to say yeah you can do it well imagine now I mean it's yeah. I mean it's a uh, and who, who even? I often wondered. I mean, uh, we talked about it. We haven't talked about it in a while. But when the Fed was buying up all these mortgages, if, if you go to, if the guy ditches on the house, guy or lady or couple, and it's sitting there, and somebody says, you know, I'll give you two hundred grand for it, who even makes that call? That he called, you know, Jerome Powell. I mean, I mean, how do you how do you how do you hold, you know, eight hundred thousand mortgages? You don't even know what you have. Yeah, I don't know. But speaking of mortgages and transferring, um, what do you think is going to happen with the mortgage on Sox Park with Jerry Reinsdorf now threatening to move maybe to Nashville, the far south side in Nashville, Tennessee? Um, he's, a, he's a master at – well, first of all, Brennan, we only got a couple of minutes, but you, are, you and I are not in that class of person. When I say that, a person who never lost money ever on any given year – Say that you lost money because you could have made more somewhere else. So yeah, you and right, I are right. you, you and I aren't in that group, unfortunately. They, he has the best lease in all of baseball, I think. Oh yeah, 
But what yeah. is? But they, have, but they have, have, they've they uh, remortgaged the park. Right? The Didn't they not make the payments on the park or something? So he's still always it's supposed to be paid off by now, and it's not, right? You know more about this than me. Yeah, it, it should have been paid off a while ago, and it's not. And part of that was because of the economy, and you know that was one of those uh, Illinois finance deals where the public is never going to be at risk until they are, <laughs> because the property taxes and hotel taxes and entertainment taxes don't match up to what debt service is on the field. But you, you, every time you buy an adult beverage downtown here or a sandwich, you're paying a half a percent for Saks Park. Right. That, that never stops. So how, how did how did they didn't they didn't they refinance because they they wanted to stop payment for something else or some or some squirrely deal in there, right? Same thing with Soldier Field. It should have been done by now, and it's not. Right. Well, I mean, that was done in in 2003, so it's, we're 20 years later. They should have been pretty well paid off by now. But yes, they and they they keep refinancing the, the scoop and toss deals, where you you refinance and put the debt out further. Scoop and toss, I like that. But now, uh, Sax Park, he he can go. Uh, Maddie, when did we have Josh on last time, when can, when can they go? You were here. I think it's another six years. I, I read that it's yeah. another six years on the lease, so that would be what twenty twenty nine. But according to an article I just read in the paper this morning, that you know this is the time to start thinking about what our options are. So so whether he's going to go back to St. Petersburg or, or uh, Florida or Nashville or someplace else, who knows? But I you know it also could be a holdup. The the question is, how is he going to get anything from Illinois because he won't have people like Madigan and Jim Thompson in proper positions oh, and, for and daily and daily want to keep his sacks yeah. here yeah well, um, it was more thompson and madigan than it was uh than it was daily at that time what did uh what did josh say Maddie? he was gonna st- he'd start banging the drums five years before because that's how long yep <laughs> and he's, he's, he's like, kind of right on schedule yep here it is six years before so he's getting an early start or else either he got an early start or some reporter got wind of this and is starting to uh Bang the drum for him. Well, I know that you're, you know, people don't like it when I say we got to get rid of the major league, uh, uh, whatever antitrust exemption. I got to believe if you offered that deal to anybody else to form a team there, and you can have the that place for a million dollars a year or whatever their whatever their ridiculous rent is, you'd have takers. You and I would would take that deal, Brennan. We'd form a team. Oh yeah, yeah. And if we were to form a team, we could start with your softball team and guys that I used to play with and play almost as well as the White Sox are this year. <laughs> and we'd imp- I don't know. What about your team, Eddie? Would you, you guys be all right or no? Well, we'd, it depends on what league we're in. Oh, God. <laughs> Brent, Brendan, thank you, buddy. Are you, you in Michigan or are you here? No, I'm here because I've got cardiac rehab later on. All right. Uh, hey, Thursday night, uh, Dan Janitas is going to be in town. So if you're bouncing around downtown and you want a iced tea, uh, let us know. All right. All right, uh, bud. That in mind. Okay, uh, SP futures up twenty one now. Nasdaq futures one hundred and one. They were they were down last night. So we'll find out what made the big turn here for Mr. Joel. We'll be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 21. NASDAQ Futures up 101. And we're right back into this, uh, the few stocks that are going to take us to the promised land. We've got Microsoft up another 1% today. We've been up like 5 yesterday. We've got NVIDIA up another 790. That's another 2%. We've got Tesla. No matter what happens, Tesla's going to take us to the promised land. I, I hope everybody's right on this. It just makes me very nervous. Uh, Dow Futures up 78. We're in Asia. We've got the... Kneecap 291, they had a big bounce back. That's a full 1%. They had been down all last week. Uh, this also is, one of, is a 10-year treasury sitting at a 16-year high. This is really kind of strange. Hang Seng with a little bit of a bounce up 167. Still under 18,000, though. 17,781, so still in the bear market. Even with a 1% move, they're still lousy. Shanghai up 27.9%. Hang Seng was 20,000 that morning a couple weeks ago. So they, got a, they need a big comeback to get back to where they were. Uh, yesterday, we were... Down 36 in the Dow, up 30 in the S&P, and up 206 in the NASDAQ. It's said very unbalanced, but real strong if you had a NASDAQ. QQQs are up like six points. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 170, that's 1%. FTSE up 48.7%. CAC around up 87, 1.2. The, uh, evidently, there's a restructured Microsoft Activision bid. Maybe might make it through there, so it's got all the tech stocks going up. Everybody's going to merge. Uh, bonds down two basis points, 4.31, but that's still a uh, little a little less than the 16-year high yesterday. <clears throat> Mabund, uh, sorry, down four basis points, 2.66. Uh, Japan up 2.67. So the bonds have quieted down a little bit today, but they were up pretty. The rates were up pretty good yesterday. Oil down 32 cents, 80.40. Brent down 51 cents, 83.95. Natural gas down six cents, two fifty-seven. Our bob unchanged, two seventy-six. We've got gold, a little bit of a bounce up, eight sixty, nineteen thirty-one. Trying to make it way back into the mid nineteen hundreds, where it's been for a while. Bottom end of the range here. Silver up another fourteen cents, twenty-three forty-eight. It was under twenty-three on Friday, I think. So that's a pretty bouncing silver. Copper up five cents, three seventy-six. 
uh, we have Bitcoin, which has been clobbered down another sixty-five bucks today, twenty-six thousand zero twenty-eight. And we have the U.S. dollar is virtually unchanged at one hundred nine on the euro and one twenty-seven at the pound, where it's been for quite a while. Maybe we have for us traffic weather sports Cubs win. Cubs win. Going, coming up on 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. <clears throat> Looks like we're off to a decent start here so far on the area expressways, roadways, and tolls, tollways here on a Tuesday morning. So that's good news. Uh, dealing with some road construction, obviously on the Kennedy, but there's some road construction on the inbound Eisenhower between Morgan and Congress uh, that has traffic uh, backed up as you're approaching the circle because it had the left lane closed, and that's going to last uh, through uh, this coming Monday. So another six days or so of dealing with that if you're coming in on 290. So they get you on, on 90 and now they're getting you on 290 as well. Uh, but no accidents to report in the area. Uh, on the expressways that is. Uh, we have one crash in the suburbs on Roosevelt Road right near I-355 uh, that's causing some delays. Weather today, a beautiful uh, summer day today before the uh, kind of heat wave comes in uh, beginning tomorrow. Sunshine with a high of 81. Right now it is clear and 72 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 103 today. Right now it's partly cloudy and 76. In sports, Cubs won their third in a row. It was a back-and-forth affair in Detroit last night, but they held on to beat the Tigers 7-6. to uh, The last three uh, bullpen guys of the Cubs were unavailable last night, so it got pretty dicey using uh, some of your middle relievers to try to close that game out, but they got it done. Uh, they're now uh, second place in the wild card, leapfrogging the Giants. Man, you have to get so much trouble with the relievers when they had three days off in ten games. Because they they didn't they played the last three days and had to use them three days in a row against Kansas oh, yeah. City, unfortunately. Uh, we'll get into the standings in just a second. White Sox were blown out by the Mariners, fourteen to two. D backs uh, topped the Rangers, four to three. Diamondbacks are playing good ball. Uh, in fact, the Diamondbacks have won eight out of ten and three in a row, and are sixty five and sixty one, third place in the NL West, but very much in the wild card race. Cubs have won three in a row and six out of ten. They're 65 and 59, two and a half back of Milwaukee, two back in the loss column. Uh, and the White Sox, of course, uh, struggling 49 and 76, 16 back in the AL Central. Uh, they're three and seven in their last ten. If only uh, they had a better stadium deal. Yeah, quickly looking at the wild card standings, uh, the Cubs are the second uh, wild card team right now. Uh, they're a half game up on San Francisco. Um, who has the third spot, and they're a game up on Arizona, uh, who's on the outside looking in right now. Uh, so a tight wildcard race that's going to come down to the last week, I would presume. Lastly, Bears uh, starting guard Tevin Jenkins is injured again, expected to miss six weeks and possibly the first few regular season games, uh, as he has a calf strain in both legs, Chief. I don't know if wow. you've ever uh, heard of that, but a calf strain in each leg. Um, did you... Uh... No, he's... Oh, Joel, how are you, bud? Uh, good morning, Chief. How you doing today? Doing all right. What's the uh, what's the big turnaround here from last night? Did you? Uh, um, hey, did you know that Nvidia is going to beat earnings? Um, <laughs> the earnings. This thing is yeah. going to be up so much by the time was it tomorrow night? Right? That I don't know how you can. I, I got the straddle already over fifty bucks. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. I mean, but everyone knows. Everyone knows. I've never been on as many years as I've been on Wall Street. I've never had everyone know the same thing and it exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it's like it's Nirvana. I mean, I, it's just it's unbelievable. Everyone in every company, every AI firm is going to be using Nvidia chips. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if I have enough room on my computer for the decibel price of what Nvidia is going to be. Oh no, it's a uh, our man. Uh, I don't know if you listened at all on, on Friday, but. Uh, 
the guy, well, the guy on the show that knows more about this than anybody else on the show is uh, is Carl because he owned a, he owned a firm that did, you know, that kind of stuff, not not AI chips. Um, he claims that it's they the huge bet is that the the graphic design chips are going to be the ones that be are used for uh, AI. That they're uh-huh. that it's going to be an easy. He said it's not absolutely a fait complete and other people aren't that far away. You know, it's I mean it's it's not all that obvious that for the next ten years they're gonna be the one place. But it's seriously the market sure seems to think it is. Right? I mean, uh but isn't that the story that they're, they're graphic design chips that they think are applicable to AI? Uh I d I couldn't dig into the details on that, Chief. I just know the mo- uh the momentum behind the stock. Yeah. Uh the uh and that I, I don't think I've ever seen a period where the analysts have all just piled on and came in up in there. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's excited the, uh, you know, the tech sector would have been kind of tired. Uh, it's exciting. You know, it's gotten the market going. I I just hope that, uh, you know, they deliver. I mean, what what they can do. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion they're going to beat. I guess it's all going to be about um, their guidance. And if they come out and say, you know, anything remotely positive about the future guidance, then the rallies can continue. If they try and temper the street's expectations at all, then then you know we could be. Uh, well, the guy who runs the the guy who runs the place when he comes on, he's like a two bit carny huckster, right? Well, he does is pump it. The chairman. I, yeah, I, I like to. I don't like you know. I mean, if it's if they're producing and they're producing the numbers, I mean, who knows better than uh, you know the chairman of the company? What you know what's going on and what's being produced? Well, you would, uh, you would hope, but these guys, I mean. Do you believe Jamie Dimon? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, it, the, the whole role of these guys has sort of changed to being, you know, that's what they are. They're, 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 they're the spokesperson for the place, which I, I get that part, but, you know, you also got to be somewhat truthful. I don't know, if, well, whatever. Maybe, maybe he is. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not saying, we, we, no, we don't need to go down that road, but, you know, I guess, I don't know, I've ever seen, maybe Apple. Every every person, if you watch, if you if you have a, you know, I get portfolios of people who want to come, you know, have some of the groups I'm involved in manage money, and you can tell what TV show people watch by their portfolio. Everybody who watches CNBC is loaded with Nvidia. I mean, isn't isn't Kramer name his dog Nvidia or something? Or some yeah, stupid? yeah, he did. He I mean, did. Uh, so I mean, no matter what happens, that 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 stock gets pumped. It's like it's like Apple. You'd swear. If you listen to that, those guys all day long, they're the only people that make phones. And yet, well, they're not even half the market, are they? I don't. Uh, I tell you right now, though, if you go out on the, you know, wherever you're at, and you, you, you know, you, you, you take a, a take a look. It seems like everyone has an iPhone. So I don't know if I can, if uh, you know, where you stand on that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, at this rate, it's going to become the most valuable company in the world. And everyone's going to use their chips, but uh, you know it's a, a turning point for the market. Uh, tomorrow, earnings uh, will be out for Nvidia. Uh, Friday, Jackson Holes has got everyone. I mean, no one's talking about the S and P downgrade of the banks, right? No, no, I mean, we don't care about banks. Be, yep, no one cares. I mean, it, it's incredible, and the street has it's very, very focused right now on this. And I'm 
you know, it's good for the market. The market had had an extraordinary downstretch there, even though it was just, you know, death by a thousand cuts. You know, we were down 12 out of 14 days. I uh, had the update yesterday, getting some nice follow through today. Tech is back. Tesla's making a move. Uh, you know, the dog days of August. It seems like all the people that uh, took a vacation in August were, were uh, the bulls. Because the bears were certainly present, and it seems like the bulls are coming back from their their vacation and uh, buying up the market. So a couple big catalysts this week, and then you know we're gonna wait a, a couple weeks for the next um, uh, the next uh, inflation data. So market had a nice you know retreat. If you complained about you know not getting in, it had a pullback. Now you have some identifiable levels to lean on on the downside, and uh, away we go. Well, I don't. Uh... As you know, Joel, I don't put a whole lot of stock in, in P.E. ratios, especially when a company's growing or could grow as fast as NVIDIA. But when, when something gets to 10 and 20 and 25 and 30 times revenue, I get real nervous. <laughs> yeah, Chief, and, you know, because you've seen what the end result has been time and time yeah. again, right? But, you know, maybe this time's different. You well, know? Maybe but some th- companies, it maybe. Here's my, my, my nervousness, as you well know. You've been on the show long enough. I'm not, I don't know enough about NVIDIA or, or Tesla or these other places to say that's not going to be the stock that actually is worth it. But I know if you take seven or eight of them that are all trading for those kinds of ridiculous... I'm talking about revenue per share multiples. They all can't win unless we, like, double our, our you know... We, we, unless we, it's like Walmart. I mean, how, when Walmart's trading for uh, 25 times earnings, how does Walmart double, for God's sake? I mean, unless they get stores on Mars or something. I mean, I, how do they double? <laughs> That's the question, Chief. Uh, you know what? It, it it doesn't matter until it matters. And That's right the truth, now, bud. That's the truth. It doesn't bud. matter. Are you going out okay. to see the Cubs, Detroit? Uh no, no. I just I I just heard that you guys you guys nicked us. I mean, we're we're out of the playoffs, so we're out of contention. So I don't mind seeing the Cubbies uh, sneaking back up, but uh, we'll see. We right, got a, a lot a lot of expectations for the Motor City Kitties uh, in football. So oh, we'll yeah. check that out. All S- right, SB I got a hop. SPV's up twenty two, and SPV's up one twelve. Are we breaking? Are we all right to Kenny? Kenny, how are you, bud? I'm good. How are you? All right. I uh, I assume you have your Tesla and NVIDIA calls and puts from uh, Friday night? <laughs> Listen, I think the whole NVIDIA thing is going to be very, very interesting because, you know, we both know it is priced to perfection. They can't give any indication that there's anything off at all, right? If they miss by even a penny, I think it's going to be a disaster. And if they don't beat significantly, I think investors are going to be disappointed. Look, it's up 221% so far year to date. Right, it's priced to perfection. Everyone wants to hear all about AI and how they're going to continue to change the world. Right, a lot of that story we know. Investors are looking for something new that we don't know, and I think actually, um, I'm not sure we're going to get that. Right, I'm not sure we're going to get that. Uh, we might get a great report, and he's going to talk about you know the future, but I don't think we're going to get this breakthrough AI news that's going to that's going to ignite the world on fire again. Well, tomorrow. I got the straddle at fifty bucks. That's a lot. At what at fifty bucks? Yeah, the Nvidia tomorrow. I'm moving. How much? How much uh, people think it's going to move after the numbers come out? Well, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah. look, the stock 
down over the last three weeks. You know, they took 15% out of it. They took it up nearly 8% yesterday. So it's still down 7% from the highs of three weeks ago. But I think it feels just a little bit toppy here, right? I don't, I, listen, I think it's a great stock. I own it. I'm not selling it. I continue to own it because I think there is a, a place for it. But I, I, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not expecting, you know, they're going to take the stock up another 10% tomorrow uh, after these earnings. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see it. What, um, when you, when they talk about uh, beating expectations, and you, you talk about that a lot, who exactly, if they say, God, they, they made three bucks a share versus expectations, 295, who the hell comes right. out with the 295? <laughs> well, I think the actual estimate is 207, I think, right? So that's number one. So, so that's the estimate. So, um, but you're right. If they come out at, you know, 214. No, I'm saying who, who actually. Who are they quoting when they say the estimates are 295? Who is that? Well, well, so it's a consensus estimate, right? The consensus street estimate, I believe, is what they're doing. So they're taking all the estimates out there, and then they come up with a consensus, and that's the number. And listen, don't forget, you know, they get a lot of guidance from, you know, the company talking about where they look, what they think. And so these analysts, that's what they're paid to do is take all that data and information they get and create an estimate. And then, they'll, you know, there'll be a dozen estimates or 20 estimates across the street. And so they'll take an average of what the estimates and they come up with a number. Well, again, if they come out with two bucks, then that's $8 a year if you do that easy math. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's 60 times earnings. That's a lot. That, that is a lot, but th- that that is a lot. But it'll be below the two hundred seven that they're expecting, so it'll be taken as a negative, right? Um, and I think that's the risk, especially in a stock like this, because because it's priced to it's priced beyond perfection, right? Uh, it's got a peg ratio of better than four, and you know a peg ratio of one is is complete correlation between uh, the the valuation of the company and and the price and the growth rate. Anything above that is considered slightly overvalued anything below that's undervalued so at four you would think just based on the peg ratio that it's probably a little bit overvalued but listen i also get it's on the cusp of changing the world with artificial intelligence so you got to give it a little bit of you know you got to give you got to consider that as well but kenny how how come nobody i'm ever say no i'm gonna take a shot here not at you nobody on cnbc must own adobe because it has done every bit as well this year, damn near, as NVIDIA, and, and it's never mentioned. That's so interesting. I don't, uh, first of all, I don't know that. I'm not watching. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I, not... I, I'm watching the both stations. That's my, that's my job. But, uh, but the, oh, well, just, uh, what I'm Adobe, saying is it, it's had a massive year. Yeah, it's up 54% year to date. NVIDIA is up 221%. Well, I mean, it's. He's done well, but nearly as much as. Uh, well, it's, it's doubled. I mean, it's, it's quietly doubled. Yeah. Well, that's a great move. There's yeah. no doubt about it. 54% for any one stock any year is a great move. But in me, they've taken up 221%. Yeah, I agree. But right. I mean, I'm, so, but what I'm saying I, is uh, both of these things, I'm looking at them, and they're, 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 their revenue, it's one of them was like 25, and the other was 35 times revenue. I mean, for God's sake, that's kind of a lot. Right. It is a lot. That's why I think... That it, it, there's some hype in this and why I'm actually preparing myself uh, for it to be a buy the rumor, sell the news kind of event. And I don't mean sell the news like a crash, but I don't necessarily see that they're taking it up another 10%, right? I mean, look, they took it up nearly 8% yesterday. I think it's up again in the pre-market oh, yeah, today. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's up another it's, 9 bucks or something. Is it up another 9 bucks? Eight, That's 873 so, so it puts, puts it right back to where it was three weeks ago before they sold it off, 
right? Because it was down 15%. So if it's up 8% yesterday, it's going to be up another 7% today. That puts us right back flat to where we were three weeks ago, which I think is very toppy, right? That was right at the height, which is why I think um, it's a buy the rumor, sell the news uh, event. Well, last, right? last, last night, the 90 calls I'm closed it. Done. The 90 calls this week closed it like 1750 and they'll be up yeah. today. Boy, that's a lot. Yeah, sure, it'll be up today. Uh, it's a, yeah, I, I just, uh, when you see the interest rates, although today they've backed off just a hair, interest rates going yeah. up every day like this. I, there's, it, look, it seems like some kind of a collision course here. I don't know. Maybe it isn't. Maybe these companies are going to do, it doesn't matter what the interest rates are. I mean, there's so many people going to buy this stuff. What do you think the status is of every once in a while you hear, you know, a Taiwan semiconductor or Intel or somebody, somebody, saying that they have a product that's almost as good. I mean, are, is everybody else totally shut out of this AI thing? or We're no, given the whole future to NVIDIA. Should we be? No, I don't think so. I think NVIDIA, you know, kind of has been at the nexus of it, and they've taken full advantage of it. But I think there are other, um, I think there's other AI out there um, that's kind of under the radar. Because, look, you get exposure to AI in a lot of places, right, without without actually knowing it. Not certainly the same way NVIDIA gives you exposure, but there is other exposure out there. So I think NVIDIA is a little bit, um, um, I think NVIDIA is a little bit hyped up, uh, um, but th- they happen to be right. I mean, look at, uh, think about the other na- the other names in the space that aren't acting nearly as well as NVIDIA, right? So if you look at, if you uh, just look at them, I mean, some of the other names in the space include uh Let's just tell you. I mean, they include, right, Advanced Micro. That's only up 67%. Intel's up 25%. Broadcom's up 55%. Qualcomm is flat on the year, right? Those are all names that are in the same space. Yet, that's why I think NVIDIA's got a little bit hyped up, which is why I'm very curious to see what the CEO says to her. Because, you know, he's very dynamic, and he comes out on stage, and he he gets everyone's hyped up. It's going to be interesting to see how he he handles this tomorrow. Well, Intel's half the price it was in 2000. Yeah, (laughs) agreed. Yeah. Are, 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 are we are we looking at a uh, Nvidia it, trade trade yeah. trading two hundred in the year twenty thirty five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would not be but good. Up twenty, almost twenty six percent. That's a good move in Intel. Oh God, yeah. I mean, it, it, you something you talk about all the time. I mean, you're uh, I think our most knowledgeable. Somehow, the combination of 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 hype. Be I think everybody just sits there watches TV all day. Unfortunately, uh, hype. Because, I mean, I, I sort of know this, Kenny, because we have a real lot of clients that, you know, that pay people to manage their money. It doesn't matter. They stand there and watch TV all day long anyway. I mean, isn't, yeah. isn't the idea that you're supposed to pay somebody to manage your money and you go play golf? <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's not exactly. what's That is not happening. <laughs> I mean, that, that is exactly the idea. Well, it's, it's, it's not happening. <laughs> uh, oh, it's so funny because I was having a conversation with a client yesterday who loves to, you know, he loves to trade, he loves to trade, but by his own admission, he's been getting his head handed to him. So he wants he wants to kind of give up and you know let 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 us do more of the managing. I said, okay, that's fine, but you then you can't go in there and change everything that we do because that's not going to help. Uh, you know? But be ready for the phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> it, it reminds me so much of my my mother. I took her to breakfast. She goes, "Well, we got to hurry up out of here." I go, "Why?" She goes, well, I got the cleaning lady over. I said, well, that's the whole idea. She cleans and we go to breakfast. Oh, no, no, I got to watch her. <laughs> it's the same principle. <laughs> anyway, but the, uh, you know, you, you look at this, this uh, you see the hype, and, and I think the market fabric, I mean, yesterday, there isn't a seller to be had. Once it starts moving like that, 
I don't I don't think who's ever quote make it I, there is no customer order book of any kind of really is there I mean I don't think so I mean who I mean on a day like yesterday who's the seller I think whenever everybody, these guys see the order when it comes in Kenny unlike people used to when the New York Stock Exchange or the one they just move it away. That's right. The algorithms just pulled away. So, so listen, there are plenty of buyers and sellers out there, but they're all using the algorithms and the technology. So it's unlike the old days where you could walk into the crowd and there'd be, you know, 20000 off and up an eighth of a dollar or 50000 off and up a quarter of a dollar. That's not the way it is anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't trade like that, right? First of all, there's no crowd to even go out and have the conversation right. with. You do everything blind, right, in the computer trying to find, trying to find uh, the level and trying to find liquidity. Um, on either side, right? Whether you're a buyer or seller. But on days like yesterday, look what they did. Tesla was even up 7.5% yesterday. Right. Again, that's down 29, 26% from three weeks ago. But once again, you know, when the when the, when the the tone changes, suddenly the sell side of the book is empty, right? So well, there's nothing there. You look at a company like Microsoft, and maybe there's not a whole lot like Microsoft, on a yep. day with basically no news, how does a company that big up 6%? That was when a couple of weeks ago. Today, yesterday, it wasn't up six. It was five, oh, sure, it was. It was up like uh, it was up like six bucks. Sorry, but what's oh, that? Well, that's like that's one. well, that, that's two and a half percent. That's a lot. Yeah, it was up one point. So it was up. It closed up five five point uh, five dollars and forty cents. So it was six fifty at one point. It came back a little yeah, bit in the close. And it was yeah yeah right. It did back off a little bit. Uh, it did back. But you see uh, again. It's uh, it's that Microsoft is off about I think it's eighteen percent from where it was three weeks ago, and so when the tone changes and suddenly they're coming after tech again, where do they go? They go after the big names that have been kind of punished unnecessarily, and so they take Microsoft right back up the same way. Look what they did to Tesla again, and yep. then again in Nvidia, right? They just take it right back up because they think it's an opportunity. I think it's a mistake because I think rates are still going to go higher, and I think that's uh, look they're already high now that we're up at. We're at 16-year highs on the 10-year, yep. the third, right? These are these are offering real opportunity for um, for um, uh, investors. Well, certainly the six month, but just you know, I don't know. We don't have much time, but I, my my is, issue with with Tesla is why does any other than the stock going up, okay, which is a return? Uh, yeah. Does anybody think that that company's ever going to give the investors any money? How much the entire cash flow? How much of the cash flow in the last ten years has gone to one guy? In, in Tesla, yeah. What does anybody? <laughs> what does anybody think? I mean, the, the guy goes and buys another company. They'll just right. they'll just cut him more stock options to take more of the money out of Tesla. Why does any investor think they're even part of the group over there? Well, because they think they're part of the group because look what the stock has done. Look how it's returned. So people have certainly made plenty of money in Tesla. That's why they feel they're part of the group. But yes, a lot of the money goes to one guy, right? Well, it's some point, someday, you can't just count on you know Lone Ranger to come over the hill. Some some point, they, if they're for a profitable company, they should be sending you a check. I mean, I know it's been very old school on that, but uh, the well, idea okay. that they're never they're never going to give the shareholders any dough. Someday this. Somebody pays higher for it tomorrow. The greater fool theory, I think, runs out of gas. Right, but at some point, maybe they do. Maybe they they turn into kind of a dividend paying company. Right now, they're in this. They're the growth stage. Right, they're a growth company. They take all their money and they pile it back into the company. So, but at some point, maybe they will turn around and start returning money to shareholders via dividends. But that's not that's not happening today. And it's not happening in anytime soon. You know, I don't think it's happening in my lifetime. But what the hell do I know? What do you? What, what, I guess. And I'm sure as hell I want this to happen, Kenny. But 
what if someday we get this 40-50% drop in the market that a lot of people are calling for? I don't think, I don't think we're going to get yeah. that. But if, if we get that and all of a sudden somebody, it wouldn't be guys like you and me, but somebody writes some 15-page article in the, in, the, in the Wall Street Journal about all these companies that were 5 bucks, went to 80 bucks. The, the chairman took out like three billion dollars, and now they're five bucks again. And what the hell? I mean, that, it's happening. It's happening all over the place, isn't it? I mean, it seems like it. Yeah, no, it, it is happening all over the place. And at some point, I don't listen. I'm not calling for like you. I don't think there's going to be this thirty percent crash in the market. I don't think so. But I do think I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the market correct here. You know, could we see down ten or twelve percent? I think we absolutely could before this is over. Um, and I think it's going to happen. Look, the Nasdaq was down nearly 9% oh, yeah. up until yesterday, right? That happened very quickly, down 9%. The S&P, the S&P was down nearly 6% over the same three-week period. So it could happen quickly, and I think it needs to happen. It needs to shake out a little bit. Well, how do you uh, – last question. Uh, something simple, I think simple, something like Walmart. It's not simple because it's so freaking big. I mean, uh, right. I, I got those guys at, at uh, 25 PE, and I actually – Thought that last quarter they did exceptionally well with the online stuff and everything else. I mean, I think is for as big as they are, they're doing way. I, mean, I think they're doing great actually. But yeah. I don't. I could see interest rates a little higher. I could see Walmart easily at a, at a seventeen p and not twenty five. Right. And I don't think right. it would be ridiculously underpriced there. Well, that would be how much down? That'd be a hundred bucks instead of one fifty seven. Right. I mean, yeah, I, right. Which is you know I don't want to see that, but it's not like it's outer-worldly for the thing to trade at 17, 18 P instead of 25. No, it's not. And that's going to, I think that's what you're going to start to see happen. Although we keep saying this, you know, rates have gone up, gone up, but at some point rates are going to hit a level where that starts to happen. Companies are going to, you know, there's going to be this repricing of risk and valuation has to come down. And 19 times forward earnings is not, uh, is not appropriate in a rising rate environment. So I'm not really sure why it's taken so long, uh, but it is, but I think, you know, the, the correction is, I think the correction is coming, and I'm on the side of the camp that, you know, I'm being a little bit patient right now because I think we're, it's, I think we're in for the bumpy landing. Well, Kenny, I don't think we're for, Kenny, stay uh, down in Florida. You don't know if you're up here this week. It's going to be 100 degrees. But goodbye. See you, bud. SP Futures up 25, NASDAQ Futures up 117. Be right back, Professor Elsner. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. There's something happening here. Lone Rope X, Stacks and Jacks, and tomorrow we're over the board. SP Futures now up 25, Nasdaq Futures up 117, so two days of a big rally here. So far, we could go higher here, or, you know, who knows. I don't think we're going to reverse, though. This looks pretty strong. Um, Professor, how are you? Morning. What's a good word? Uh, well, uh, I, knew, I have a new job. Yeah, I thought um, you had, like, three jobs. Yeah, I'm, uh, I was hired to teach economics and statistics at uh, North Carolina A&T State University, where I had been, where I was from 2004 to 2013. The school I was teaching at, uh, where I was chair of the business program, uh, lost its accreditation, uh, and they're, they announced their closing. So it's been a stressful summer, let's just say that. You mean a place in Brooklyn <laughs> or New York? Uh, Manhattan, Manhattan, lower Manhattan. So you guys are moving back to Carolina? Well, actually, what the position is uh, a full-time online uh, uh, teaching professor position in economics and statistics. So um, I had to establish residency down there, but my family's going to stay here in Brooklyn. The family happy to see you go or what? Uh, I won't be gone uh, much because I'm going to be teaching a uh, I'm going to be teaching a course for Mercy okay. College on Thursdays uh, on 34th Street, their 34th Street Manhattan campus on Thursdays. So oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, you're, still, you're still doing anything for the guys out in uh, Utah? Um, you know, I'm listed as a as an adjunct, um, but I think they want in person adjuncts. So if they ever need, if Westminster ever needs an online course, uh, if they ever need a course uh, covered and they're okay with it being online, I'd be more than happy to. Well, the place in Carolina is it a is it a, is it an airport right real close or is it a problem getting there oh no they have an airport real close but um i'm from idaho and driving from new york to greensboro is like going to the movies or a rock concert in high school it's not a big deal <laughs> what is it like six hours <laughs> six hours five well what what we have a we have our motorhome uh parked on an rv lot that we purchased an, an rv resort that we purchased uh, a couple years ago and what i'll do is i'll probably uh you know, after work, just, you know, stop. My last day, last day of the week, which will be Wednesday, I'll stop in uh, Virginia, sleep, go swimming. Um, and they have the best burgers at their little trading post there on this, in this RV resort. Cool. And then I'll just drive up 95. I got my easy pass. I'm an Idahoan. 
with an easy pass, so I'm armed and dangerous. It says it's eight hours and 25 minutes, uh, yeah. 540 miles via I-95 South and I-85 South. Yeah. So there you that, go. That's a weekend. That, that's, a, that's a party weekend when I was in the Navy. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, One time I drove from Idaho Falls, Idaho to Detroit. I did this in my 20s. I drove from Idaho Falls, Idaho to Detroit with a half-hour nap in Sterling. I think it was Sterling, Nebraska. God. Post office, yeah. Uh, why did you go to Detroit? Uh. Well, I uh, I was uh, as I actually moved out there. Okay. Uh, after the Navy, I got a job at a place called Guardian Glass, where I was a mechanic, electrician, welder. I, I did a PLC uh, job, um, which was pretty fascinating. Um, I did that for about eight months, and then about two months before I quit, I drove. I made that drive back to Idaho Falls to interview. As soon as I pulled into Idaho Falls, Idaho, I had an interview. I was in the car for 30 hours straight. I interviewed with the company at the Idaho National Engineering Lab where the Navy had a, a nuclear training facility out there, nuclear power plant training facility out there. It was an interesting interview. 30 hours in a car, directly right, you know, park the car, get out of the car for a 30-hour drive, interview, and then drive to my grandparents' house in Idaho Falls, Idaho. <laughs> God. Well, I mean, uh, this the place that went under was that expected or is everybody all of a sudden out of a job like well tomorrow? it was a christian university and um i have my theories on that given what's going on in the culture today and department of education um i'll just leave it at that um i was hired um and they were under um i guess um uh, accreditation probation and we thought we had turned the corner uh Retention was um, record levels from what the dean's uh, assistant told me. And then we had a pretty good freshman class. And if everything worked out, we would have cleared our deficit, our you know structural deficit. Our revenues would have exceeded our expenses. And the plug was pulled on us. And we all thought we exceeded the one standard that we were uh, uh, on probation for financial. Um, who are the... I guess the question is, who are the, the people that do the accreditations? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different accreditors. Um, if I, I think if I would have came to Alliance earlier, knowing how I think, I probably would have encouraged us to have a backup plan. And, you know, that's just all here's uh, hindsight. And uh, hindsight's 2020, right? But if I would have came here earlier, I would have, I know I would have pushed for a backup because I'm a worst case scenario person. If, if the worst case scenario happens, I'm not disappointed, right? My wife is the complete opposite, right? Um, so I, I probably would have pushed for an accreditor, you know, apply for accreditation from a Christian college. Uh, All right, so let's, let's start from me. Now you've got me very curious, and I imagine yeah. the listeners as well. Um, I decide I, I don't want people paying 70 grand for school anymore. I buy a, a building somewhere an old school building whatever it is it's got 10 classrooms and i hire you i hire russell i hire eric kevin we've got how many professors on the on the show and i hire 10 people and we're going to do a, a liberal arts economics degree okay yeah. and every every one of the people have been teaching at an accredited university and have all the stuff they need why can't we be a school? Who the hell has to say that we, we get to be a school? I mean, who, well, who are I, these I think people? the problem uh, lies in the accreditation process. If, if, you, if you need your students to have access to federal 
money, whether it's Pell Grants or subsidized um, student loans, you have to be accredited. And I, and I think I, I think I'd prefer the model like uh, Patrick Henry College in North, not the community college. Patrick Henry College is uh, in northern northwestern uh, Virginia, uh, just south of Maryland, uh, or Hillsdale College in uh, Ohio. I or, or um, High Point University's model. I'd follow their model. I would just be completely divorced of any federal funding. Okay, and so then, if we did that, what does the accreditation mean? I mean, we put it, well, out, at that point, it doesn't matter because uh, I mean, do you really care what the federal government says about your school? The only, the only accreditation I think a school needs, who is not dependent on state or federal subsidies, the only accreditation they need is what kind of jobs they're. Well, I think it, I mean, the question I'm going to ask is the question I would ask is if if we do this, and by the way, we only charge four grand a year, so we just pays, or or we find jobs for people so they can pay. Uh, yeah, yeah. If we do uh, that, a student actually came up with that that uh, tuition model at Westminster a few years ago, where students go to Westminster, and then I think the employer pays after they get hired or something like that. It was pretty interesting. But we don't. If somebody from there wants to get into the University of Chicago Business School, is it does the does the is a diploma from a non-accredited place mean anything or, or not? I mean, I guess we, how bad can they screw you by not being accredited, not other than federal money? Well, yeah, the, the federal money really. I think I, I think it, it ends up being this dependency, and it forces conformity. And you know me, I'm not a conformist, and I don't recommend that for anybody. Uh, Murray Rothbard was a conformist, and he, he's probably one of the most highly published economists of all time. His his books are incredible. Um, his dissertation was published as a book, um, highly regarded by the American Economic Review, American Economic Association. So I, I don't I don't uh, recommend that anybody be a an uh, uh, uncloseted uh, non uh, conformist. It's just not. Uh, financially uh, fruitful. Let's just leave it at that. Well, your your predecessor uh, Milton Friedman is, is examples of, of things that should not be <laughs> yeah. competitive yeah. wise. There were two 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 examples that were always on the tip of his tongue. One was uh, city regulating the amount of cab drivers. Yeah. Uh, the other was how do how do the doctors regulate the amount of med schools? Yeah. I mean, what 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 is the point of that? I mean, well, it, it's nurses regulate the number of nurses, right? Yeah. My, my friend Peggy. From high school, she was going to nursing school, and while she was in nursing school, the licensing standards had changed, and she all of a sudden had to take like cal- uh, pre-calculus or algebra, college algebra. And I'm thinking to myself, what does a person getting a two-year degree in nursing need to get? And this is before I was an economist. This is back in the '90s. Why, why do they need to take college algebra? I, I, and, I, and I thought to myself, this is before I entered a PhD program in economics. I thought, oh, it's a way to keep. The number of nurses artificially low to drive up their salaries, right? And so everybody is seeking protection from government, uh, well, we had whether a... it's universities or labor unions, uh, workers or firms trying to export or import. They're all looking for government protection from their competitors. Well, we had a, a lady uh, worked here a long time ago. I mean, this is you know, fifteen twenty years easy. Terrific lady, but she was. Uh, she was an assistant here, did stuff for us, new accounts, that kind of stuff. Very nice to people, the whole bit. 
she really wanted to be a nurse, I think, and she went to one of these uh, nursing schools at night. Now, I don't know how people get this idea that it was one of these for-profit schools and she borrowed money to go and all that stuff. And all of a sudden the place was considered non-accredited and they folded it up and it was all these, you know, criminal charges, God knows what else. And they were coming after her for some of the money and the whole nine yards. Wow. It was, it, was, it was a really bad deal. And But, but she essentially got married and moved another state. I mean, nothing to do because of this, so we lost track of her. But uh, the, the, the weird part was is that the the place she got all the classroom and all the other stuff education i th- i think that she was supposed to get and needed but when it came time to do this the stuff in the hospital you know the in the field stuff or whatever yeah none of the other none of the places rush or northwestern or something because you didn't go to their nursing school they wouldn't let you in yeah so this place yeah, that's how it works yeah, yeah so this place ended up uh, going under, and the whole idea was because it was a for-profit, which it's one thing I want to discuss with you today, my new my new thing about the word profit, what does it even mean anymore? Uh, so Rush is not for-profit, that doesn't mean they're not crooked and they don't charge too much? I mean... Uh, oh, you know, yeah, they, the funny thing is, these non-profits, they're for-profits. Sure, they are. they're just and the just, people up top just, steal they, it. they call it a different name, right? They call Harvard, it, Harvard's they, got a, a bil- you know, multi-billion dollar, hundred billion dollar endowment. Those are all accumulated profits. Well, they, the they, revenue is exceeding yeah. their expenses, and, and the people there that work there get paid more than they probably should. That's yeah, the, that's they, the profit. You know, they they say they're nonprofit, but they're a profit. I mean, you can't you got to be a profit institution. If your if your revenues don't exceed your expenses, you're going to be out of business or out of right uh, in, uh, out of organization. We'll call it out of organization. You're going to be out of business, right? So all these institutions are for profit. Well, except. They define it differently. It's yeah. it's the end of the year. The people up top split it up. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, she ended up – I don't know what ever happened. If, if she was able to declare that debt or not. I mean, I, like I said, we lost track of her. Uh, or maybe she paid him. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. but the fact is, she was 80% of the way to being a nurse. And all of a sudden, no, she couldn't get – what do you call it? Field time or when you go to have to work in a place. Residency. Uh, yeah. She wouldn't, wouldn't let her into – Essentially, practice I guess is yeah. a better term, yeah. uh, and that, you know. And the question is, why not? I mean, why why isn't a place like Northwestern or Rush or Chicago? Well, why Tom, not? Cur- you know, by doing these kind of rules, by letting the you know kids uh, dictate the terms of the the uh, childcare, you create an artificial scarcity, and people learn when you do a lot of that. That artificial scarcity drives wages up. Uh, demand curves. So, I mean, that's really the reason for it. I can tell you that that is the primary reason for it. Now, they'll say other things, but that's why. And all you have to do, if if, if your listeners are are uh, interested, go down to Yuma, Arizona during the day and then drive across the border and then look at all of the clinics that are down there, the dentist, dentist offices, uh, uh, doctor's offices, pharmacies, you drive across the border and you'll see what a market system looks like. And my brother Rod went down there and he had his teeth replaced. You know, he had implants put down in his mouth. If he would have stayed in Lewiston, Idaho to have it done, it would have cost him $12,000. He drives down to Yuma, Arizona, goes across the border during the day. And during a week, they, they do this procedure. And I asked Rod about the quality. And he says, yeah, it was like walking into a clinic in Lewiston, Idaho or in in Portland, Oregon, it was a very good clinic. Now there there are clinics that are 
that are high end, and there are clinics that are not very high end where all they do is pull teeth, right? Yeah. But they have they have uh, uh, the the spectrum. You have the uh, spectrum. A lot of people and go to Thailand for. On the Yuma, Arizona side, you have Applebee's, you have movie theaters, right? But on the Mexican side, you have all these clinics, right? And that's that's exactly why they do this is because in America they have this monopoly power. They restrict the supply and drive prices up, drive wages up, demand curves. That's what its purpose is. But the the uh, it, it's this is the economic question. I'm trying to I'm fumbling to ask you. Uh, you know, is normally if 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 that were to happen, okay, and and, and Milton Friedman's view of the uh, medical profession, you know, and this is. 35, 40 years ago, uh, he was he was correct in the sense that now what I'm trying to find out is what happened between then and now. He was correct by restricting even a little bit the amount of doctors that there were out there. There was a there would be a shortage of doctors and they would end up getting paid more. Okay, which mm-hmm. I think for you know 100 years probably was the case, maybe 60 years. Uh, how did that all that all even got it, even that got run over by the hospital monopolies. I mean, how does one essentially run over the other? Like when you're talking about the nurses, okay, we're, when I was talking about the lady here, they restricted the supply of nurses. Okay, so nurses, in, in, in theory, would get paid more than they normally would if you had, you know, because you restricted the supply. I mean, you and I, you more than me, because you're current with it, could go on a blackboard showing my age, and, and say this is what happens if you restrict the supply and you move the supply curve. And the, in other words, you could, the nurses instead of making eighty grand a year are going to make ninety. I mean, yeah. we we could easily we wouldn't know the number, but we would know it's higher than it ought to be. Yeah. But over a period of time, it's almost like the hospital monopoly has become so much more powerful than either the nursing or the doctor monopoly that they have made. I think nurses are are paid way less than they would be competitively. Yeah, that that would be called a monopsony. That's the uh, that's the term because it, yeah. it's always like yeah, one no, one monopoly trumps another. Yeah. Like you know. Yeah. So like in West Virginia, for example, this is my go-to example for a monopsony. You have a firm that owns the town, and the firm owns the grocery store. It owns the coal mine. It basically owns the public school because it is the government. So you have this one factory town in West Virginia, and that in that situation, you can push uh, the wage below what it would be in a competitive market. Um, but then you have situations where you have a monopsony and a monopoly, and depending on the power, the market power of the group, either the hospital in this case, or the, the nurses, uh, depending on that market power, uh, d- uh, determines where that nurse's pay is between the monopoly wage they would earn if there was no monopsony versus uh, the wage that would be paid under a monopsony with no you know trade union for the nurses so it just depends on the monop the market but it power. also and uh, how does how does the uh, insurance industry I almost am thinking they're in collusion with the hospitals oh yeah yeah they're not a they're not insurance they're a payment processing system no no right? I'm talking about not, not that insurance I'm talking about the insurance that doctors have there's oh, yeah. a ridiculous point is there that is there that much of a difference between the price a doctor has to pay and how much a, do- a hospital pays per doctor there must be oh yeah i mean 
yeah, yeah. That I mean, it's really complicated when you're talking about the insurance. It's, it's almost used. like it's like yeah. levels of monopoly and who wins. Yeah, and it's it, the system's so twisted. But now, now but the hospital is, seems to be winning. The, the yeah, guys who, so this is why I'm not in the mainstream. Uh, you know, in order to be in the, if you're in the mainstream, you know, you're thinking, you know, Keynesian, post-Keynesian, government intervention is great, government intervention protects us from market failure. And the problem with that is we've exported this from Britain and the United States to places like Japan and China. And they they went all in on this idea that government can intervene in markets and save markets. And I think that's why you, you're seeing uh, what's going on in China right now. I mean, it, we've done it to a certain extent, but in America we have dissenting voices that can check that mainstream narrative. In China, there is no real check on that. And the CCP has gone all in on this Keynesian intervening economy nonsense. And I call it nonsense. And Keynesianism is just the the stepping stone to tyranny, in my opinion, because, I mean, really, what, do you th- what is Keynesianism? Keynesianism assumes the consumer is stupid. It, can, it assumes the investor is irrational, right? Because government, the benevolent government, needs to save them from themselves by either doing tax cuts and increased government spending during a recession or the opposite during the expansion to pay down the deficits. I mean, it's a very arrogant, in my opinion, way of thinking well, there must of, be, of an economic perspective. Without knowing that much about it, there must be every every doctor I know now, except for one that I, I have, um, is, is had to join a group for basically insurance purposes where they yeah. they don't make uh, if you if you look at what they used to make ten years ago versus now uh, they don't make anywhere near as much as they used to yeah. doctors I mean I think I, a lot of it I think a lot of the rents we call these rents right I think a lot of these rents are being sought by these administrators of these massive uh, monopoly hospitals you know they have massive power. They can they can encourage um, the state to adopt convenience and need laws where they can veto they can just veto a competitor open up right. across the street yeah. right yeah but how do, how do we uh, I mean on a I don't I don't see how you how, how you how you fight this I mean to me it's it's way more dangerous than Standard Oil or AT and T ever was oh I think it is too yeah I, it's, I, it's, it's on so many different that. levels but but I don't know a, a doctor, I think pharma pharma's um, they figured it out too. Pharma, pharma, pharma is rolling out its uh, latest COVID vaccines, and you know now you have the the state talking about how we need to wear masks again. Well, why? Well, they just developed their next generation COVID vaccine, and I doubt this COVID vaccine was uh, developed under the latest strain, so it's going to be completely ineffective. That's the problem with coronavirus vaccines: is coronaviruses like the common cold. They mutate too often. They mutate yeah. out of what people call a vaccine. I call it a shot because a vaccine stops spread, stops the disease. Well, we've, we've like changed smallpox. We've, we've changed the uh, definition yeah, we've changed of the vaccine. Definition, yeah, yeah. The state is very good at changing definitions, or they use uh, a, a phrase like the Inflation Reduction Act. Right? It's not the Inflation Reduction Act. It's the Inflation. Accelerator Act, right? So yeah. they just well, use the, language. The, the Patriot Act 
essentially took, oh, away, yeah. took exactly. away rights. All you did was yeah. take away rights from people. Yeah. But I well, they mean, changed the, na the name of the Department of War to the Department of Defense. Come on. It's the Department of Offense, not Defense. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't see how, in a, in a, I don't know of any democracy, that once this starts to happen, boy, you know, I hate like hell because a lot of people have, you know, little babies in the house that have to live here. I, I don't see how this, this ends really correctly. I mean, someplace, somewhere, these societies got to sit there and say, even though medical science has so many more things, you know, arrows in their quiver than they did 30, 40 years ago, the care for individual people, I think, is getting worse and worse. You yeah. can't get into well, that's what happens when you have a monopoly. A but monopoly how, but how do you? How do you? But how do you? How do you? How do you break this up? How do you? I mean, somewhere along the line, and this is one thing I do with the inflation. I, I know you I probably bored hell out of you guys by doing this, but it's reached the point now. If, if you if you think that the average, let's let's say the mean salary in this country is say forty grand a year, whatever forty five, whatever the hell it is. Uh, they claim 36, but I think it's higher than that. Uh, say it's 42. We're talking four nights stay in a hospital. Yeah. Where, where 40 years ago, that 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 dog doesn't hunt. I mean, I don't care how much insurance you have or who's paying for it or government. The the price is too high. I mean, I mean all all the arguments we have on the show regarding higher education and whether you should go and is it worth it and blah blah blah. Every kid shouldn't go to college. If it was twenty grand and not seventy, every kid should go to college if if, if he wants to, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't it doesn't matter that that the that the guy running the landscaping company happens to know something about economics and creative writing, right? It, it, he sh he shouldn't be shut out of that because he runs a landscaping company. There's nothing wrong with somebody having knowledge. Oh, I agree. That's why I yeah. love the Mises Institute. But right? but I mean, but for seventy grand, yes, is it worth it for a guy who's going to run a landscaping company? Or a plumbing company to have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of of debt for an English degree to run it. it no, it's probably not quote worth it. But yeah. but it it at, at thirty grand, it's probably worth it because everybody gets to learn something, right? Yeah, the, the Mises. That's why I love the Mises Institute because they invite people, just regular everyday people who read economics um, and don't have a, a, a university credential. They invite people to write. And they publish their work. You can't really get that in any other economic institution. You have to be a member of the club. You have to have that PhD in economics where you have to learn n-dimensional calculus and linear algebra to do econometrics. Right? Speaking of which, I never asked you, how did you get from being a, a nuclear engineer to being a PhD in, economist, in, a, in a, economics? You know, you know, in high school, I was always, I had more fun hanging out with my parents than my friends. And my stepfather and I would sit on the back porch of my parents house in Lewiston, Idaho. We'd chat about the economy and politics. And I was I was always into I hated I didn't like politics, but I liked uh, policy discussions and talking about consequences of policy. And I was always great at math. I, I never failed a math test in my life. Uh, and when I and you know nuclear power was a way for me to go to college in the Navy. So I did the nuclear power Navy route. I was a nuke for Six years and I got out. Barely got out. How did you ever get? Uh, never get stuck on a submarine. How did you always manage to make it? A, oh no, I wasn't on a submarine. I was on a nuclear power cruiser. That's what I'm saying. How did you manage to yeah. dodge the? I wouldn't want to be in a submarine at all. Ugh. Yeah, I, I couldn't handle it. I, I'd go nuts. Seriously, I'd go nuts. I, I couldn't be in a spaceship from Earth to Mars. I couldn't do it. I, I'd go nuts. I get I get nuts in the house if I'm in the house too long. <laughs> so you must have been great during COVID. 
Oh, I, well, I was in Utah, so and we had a motorhome. And what I did is people wanted to get out of their houses in COVID. So what I did is I changed my business model. I would deliver the motorhome to a nearby state park, you know, 50 miles to 100 miles. I'd deliver it, set it up for my kids and I would use it. And my wife would use it one night. Next day, I'd clean it up and turn it over to my client while my kids swam. And then we would drive home. And then when I'd go pick it up, we'd use it the next night after the tenants left. And I did that all summer long. And we saw state parks and federal parks wouldn't have saw otherwise all throughout Utah. It was an awesome summer. And so that's how I got out of the house during COVID. Oh, God. S&P futures up 26 now. NASDAQ futures up 127. Are we going to get back all of this uh, sell-off in the last few weeks, or is it just a little bear market rally? Or, uh, we don't know, but today I don't think you want to be short. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. We're on the board. SP futures up 25. Nasdaq futures up 124. Uh, Dow futures are up 108. Uh, big movers, just like yesterday, are Microsoft up another four dollars. The ones that were down, Microsoft, Nvidia, Tesla, they're all they're all flying higher here. We're uh, all the same ones went down, and the same ones are going up. It's uh, it's like we have a very like a market within a market. It's really kind of crazy, but that's what it is. Uh, Nikkei up 291 at 09 uh, percent. They have been down in the last week or two, so they're bouncing. Hang Seng's bouncing, but off a real low bottom. We're up 167, that's 1%, but still, 
17,791. They need a few more days like this just to get back to where they were a few weeks ago. Shanghai up 27.9%, 3120. They were in danger of going under 3,000, but did not, really. Uh, yesterday, Dow down 36, S&P up 30, NASDAQ up 206. Uh, so that's a full 1.5% in NASDAQ, and they're doing more today. Uh, Europe, uh, DAX up 186, 1.2%, FTSE up 50.7, CAC up 89, 1.2. Uh, we have the bonds, which we had a big run-up, or the rate had a big run-up yesterday. It's actually come back a little bit today, down two basis points, but still 4.32. We hit a 16-year high yesterday, so we backed off of that just a little. Bund down five basis points, 2.66. Japan up one basis point, uh, point six seven. We've got oil down ten cents, so not doing much in the oil patch. Eighty sixty, rent down seventeen cents, eighty four twenty nine. Natural gas up down five cents, two fifty eight. Arbob up a penny, two seventy eight. Uh, we've got gold up six fifty, nineteen twenty nine. Silver up nine cents, twenty three forty three. We got copper up three cents, three seventy five. We've got crypto down fifteen bucks again. Bitcoin, that's not much. But it's 26,078. Cannot seem to catch a bid at all. It was over 30,000 a couple weeks ago. Uh, over uh, the dollar is up just a little bit. It's up. The pound is, or the euro is down to 1088. And the, but the, the British pound, I'm sorry, the euro is 1088. The British pound is 127, right where it's been for quite a while. Eddie, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a crash on I-355, Chief, northbound side, right at uh, I-88, so in the western suburbs. And this has uh, the uh, north-south tollway backed up to uh, Boughton Road, so significant delays due to this crash on I-355 northbound right at I-88. Just east of there on the tri-state I-294 northbound just before Ogden Avenue, there was an earlier crash that's just been cleared, but still some resulting congestion from that. So those are the two crashes in the area. Slow travel times throughout, though. 63 minutes from O'Hare into downtown on the Kennedy. Inbound Edens is somehow worse. Uh, from Deerfield Road uh, to the Circle, you're at 74 minutes right now and counting. And from on I-290 from Thorndale uh, into downtown, 72 minutes. So uh, your expressways, especially coming from the west and from the north sides, are moving especially slow. Weather today, a beautiful uh, summer day today. Uh, sunny skies, a high of 81. Right now it's crystal clear and 73 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 103 today. Right now it's partly cloudy and 77. In sports, Cubs hung on to beat the Tigers 7-6 last night in Detroit. Cubs uh, leapfrogged the Giants and are now holding the second wild card spot. They're also two and a half games back of the Brewers uh, for the Central Division. Brewers were off last night. White Sox were blown out in Seattle to the Mariners 14-2. Diamondbacks keep winning. They've won 8 out of 10 and topped the Rangers 4-3. The D-backs are just a half game behind the Giants uh, for the third and final wildcard spot in the National League. Lastly, uh, some bad Chicago Bears news. Starting guard Tevin Jenkins is expected to miss at least six weeks, and that would include the first few regular season games, as he has calf strains in both legs. Chief, did that happen in the game or in practice? He didn't, he didn't play in the game. I don't think he played in the preseason game, so it must have happened in, in camp some, at some point. Um, God, these dudes are young. For the, they, they, he's they, been in the league for just over two years now, and he's been hurt every six months. Yeah. Um, he had the back issues, then he had the hip issues, and now he's got lower leg issues. Uh, that used to happen to a lot of guys that were on the roids, but I don't think he's on the roids. Maybe who knows? Maybe these guys who knows what they're doing? But, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, that's no. Who, who, they don't really have a whole lot of depth on that line. I don't think. 
No, the both lines, offensive and defensive, would be widely considered the weakness on this team, although I think both sides are improved from last year. Uh, but, yeah, they don't have a ton of depth on either side of the line, and that's what they're trying to build upon. Um, they really like the kid they drafted uh, at right tackle. So we'll see how it how it comes together. They're going to have to kind of piecemeal it here the first month, it looks like. What uh, they, The kid from Notre Dame, he's gone, right? The center, he, was, he wasn't that good. Mustafer? Uh, Mustafer's gone, correct. So Whitehead, Whitehair, still Whitehair's there. back to he's back to center. Yep. And uh, well, I guess the the guy from uh, the tackle a couple of years ago is starting for the Patriots, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, boy, seventeen game seasons a long a long time. Yes, it is. Uh, so there are only three exhibition games. Um, is that right? Yeah, I think th- I think that's right. Yeah. Three exhibition games because they expanded to seventeen regular season. But now they don't. Start. I don't watch preseason football at all. So well, they don't. They don't start. <laughs> Last last preseason, they don't start for two weeks then, right? Right. Uh, yeah. They don't start Labor Day weekend. Correct. They start the week after, Sunday after, which I think is the 10th. Where, the, where college starts Labor Day weekend, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, so, Notre Dame starts this weekend. Really? Yeah. So well, there's like playing? there's three or four teams uh, that start this weekend. I want to say uh, – I'll have to look it up. I can't remember who they're playing. But um, I had the schedule up the other day for college football. Yeah. So Notre Dame opens Saturday against Navy. And USC opens against San Jose State. Those are the first two games of the college football season of for t- for top twenty five. Are, are they playing maybe in Dublin? Um, it doesn't say on this. Yes, they are Dublin. Yep. Ah, well, that's cool. So yeah, they open uh, this Saturday in Dublin against Navy. Notre Dame is preseason ranked number thirteen, um, and then USC is preseason ranked number six. They open at home against San Jose State. Those are the only two ranked teams that are playing. But that opens the season this Saturday. Then there's some games on the following Thursday. And then the college football season opens in earnest uh, Saturday, September 2nd. And then NFL opens the week after. Wow, a lot of football. Hey, uh, well, I have a uh, unique combination of the both you guys, the economist and the sports dude. Um, I haven't had a chance to get either one of your views on what exactly is happening in uh, college sports. Uh and the way I say this, this weekend I was driving around and somebody comes up with some kind of poll that says, uh, what about you know college athletics? And, of course, everybody immediately zeroes in on football probably. Uh, and they talk about how 67% of people thought these kids should get paid directly by the university, not as much of the name, image, and likeness stuff. They think they should be employees. And uh, well, I forget what the third one was. Um, but I... Uh, I'm just sort of curious, in the immortal words of uh, Jack Callahan, a board member with me in the CBOE and a good guy, uh, his, his famous line was, we don't know where we're going, but we're well on our way. <laughs> and, and, I, and I get the feeling that this college sports, from an economic point of view, um, I, I'm just kind of curious, uh, uh, Hal, because we've been talking about universities pretty much for the last half hour and nursing schools and this and doctor schools. If, if you take what this survey says for... Uh, you know, for uh, its face value. And, I, and I'm one of these people who thinks that every time somebody in this economy, every time they get something, somebody gets something that maybe they don't deserve, somebody else is paying for it that maybe doesn't deserve to pay for it. But if you take what they said in, in a full, do we, do we really want, we, is the world really ready, is the world's desire to have universities essentially sponsor a professional team? Or teams of, and why? I mean, I, you well, know, t- I, they've been doing that since well before uh, I was born. 
Not 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 to this. Ex- well, it, maybe not to this not extent. To this extent. It, gets, it keeps changing every couple of years. But I mean, it's it's not like they haven't been doing that for fifty but years or longer. If if it, you're right, Matty. It's it's grown that way gradually. Then all of a sudden, but when I when I was a freshman, it was they played ten games. They hadn't played a bowl game in fifty years. It was way different. I mean, they, 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 people were pretty much students first. It wasn't like you didn't try and get the best guy. I mean, I get that part. But it, it's gotten to the point where, where you know, assistant coaches can only make 50 or 60 grand a year. Now the money has reached the point where it's, it's, it really is a professional, especially the, the big conferences, it's, it's sponsoring the Bears. And, and, and you have to ask yourself, is that really where you want to go? Now, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not making, throwing an opinion. The other part is, um, if you just take the economic part, a hell out of you is, uh, and if all of a sudden now you have to pay everybody because they're all, why in God's name do I want to pay the women's fencing team or the guy's hockey team? Well, hockey might make a few bucks. Or the, or the guy's wrestling team. Why, why would I want a school paying those people Meaning, other people have to pay more to go there to make up for it when they don't make a friggin' dime. I mean, there's a big difference between the football team that makes a fortune, maybe basketball, maybe girls basketball, and why, why would I pay anybody to play soccer or to play lacrosse or something? I mean, what 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 model would that come under, Al? To where I'm going to pay guys to essentially do an extracurricular activity if that's what you want to? I mean, I, this whole thing is so spinning out of control. I just don't get where it lands is where I'm at. I'm just asking you guys. Well, no. there's there's one of two ways you can do it. You could have a market set the wage, or you could uh, do like to do in the public schools and just pay everybody the same wage. So you pay soccer players um, just like you play the football players. And what that would do, it would create a uh, price ceiling for football players and a price floor for soccer players, just like they do in the public school system. And that would create surpluses and shortages, right? You'd have a lot of people wanting to play soccer and maybe the people that are really good in football, they would skip college football and try to go directly to the pros, right? So that's not going to work. The other way to do it is just to pay them kind of a semblance of a market wage. The NIL is a free market wage, essentially. I mean, depending on how the school adopts it, right? So the player gets what the market believes is their worth, right? In, in that situation, you'd, you you wouldn't have price floors and price ceilings, right? Um, in football, if you if everybody in a football program gets the same wage, you know, Caleb Williams gets the same wage as the, the third string safety, right? Then you're going to get a dynamic where you'll get a lot of these people working out to, uh, you know, become a safety, right? They're not going to, they're not going to maybe become a Caleb Williams, but maybe they could be um, the guy that got killed in Afghanistan. Uh, what was his name? The, oh. the guy that played at Arizona State? Pat Tillman. Then, yeah, Pat Tillman. Yeah, Bill, you'll get a lot of Pat Tillmans. Pat Tillman in high school was like five foot seven, and he built himself into uh, an all-conference Pac-12 linebacker, and he became uh, an all-pro uh, safety, right? But in high school, he was like five foot seven, 180 pounds, right? Nowhere near what he needed to be. So I, I think – you know, it, it's really convoluted. I don't think there's. Uh, I would advocate, you know, NIL. Uh, kids get paid. I mean, if, if their name, image, and likeness is valuable, why can't they earn money off it? I mean, if I was a medical student at Harvard Medical School, 
and I was famous, I, I would be able to collect money and use that to pay my tuition and buy a fancy car. Why can't NFL or uh, college football? Well, because it's morphed into schools running it, and everybody in the offensive yeah. line splits it off. Well, the school, the school's yeah. running it because they want a piece of it, right? Right. Well, they yeah. also want everybody. They want to be able to say to a kid coming in, even though you got your image, your image sucks. Your name sucks. By the way, if you play guard, you get hundred grand a year. <laughs> if you're the third string guard, you yeah, get yeah, right. Um, but you know that that's what that. I mean, the, the whole conference realignment thing. All that is again, it's the big blue blood programs wanting to keep the, you know, the Washington State and the Oregon State schools out of the big pie, the college football playoff system. So you have all the blue blood, blue blood, blue blood programs, Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, jumping into the Big Ten, joining Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. For the most part, no, Iowa. All it is, and I think over time, what you're going to end up have, having is, uh, you know, you're not going to have what we know as Division One football. You're going to have the, the the historic blue bloods in these super conferences, and you'll you'll probably see schools like Vanderbilt, Northwestern, flushed out of these uh, conferences. I, I, I would say that too, but you're the only one who agrees with me. But yeah, I, I think that's happening. People in Northwestern don't want to think that. People at Vanderbilt don't want to think that. But what kind of value do these programs bring to the TV deal? Very little. There's very little following of Northwestern football and Vanderbilt football. Well, so I think those kinds of schools are going to be flushed. Well, I was I was kind of stunned in that. Uh, I don't, maybe I don't think you were there at the Somehow or another, I, I foolishly went to, to look at some of the economics of these teams going to the Big Ten. <laughs> and, and I dug up, you know, what you can find of it, uh, the budget of UCLA. And I, and I know that if – I mean – Depending on what part you look at, it's kind of what we've been talking about all morning. You know, whatever you look at, you get a different answer. Yeah. And if, if you look at the athletic department and you say, okay, you're going to get $30 million or $50 million, or whatever the number is, more TV revenue in the Big Ten than you are in the Pac-10, those people, you know, it's like they just took Viagra, right? I mean, they're all yeah. happy as a clam because it means the coaches get more. they got to sell it, man. they got to sell it. So but, 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 it's, but, it, but it's their – they get, you know, the coach is going to make $20 million a year instead of ten, or whatever, whatever's going to happen. Uh, I mean, Kevin says, you look at any of these uh, athletic department, whatever you want to call it, the modern people that work there, he said they're so padded it's unbelievable. You don't know what these people mm-hmm. even do. But when I looked at UCLA, I mean, you maybe got a stab at this. Uh, I don't know, if, Maddie, if you listen. What do you suppose the total budget is for UCLA per year? Billions. I mean, they got uh, Olympic sports. I'm saying for the school itself. Yeah, I don't know. It's like I, a, it's I mean, like eleven yeah. billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. So how it's a crazy amount? How yeah. how something thirty million dollars for the football team even gets into the board meeting? I have no idea. It's such yeah. a pimple on the ass of the elephant. UCLA doesn't need football. Yeah. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, yeah. in, in terms of the overall now, the you know, do, do you do you want? You well, know, USC needs UCLA, so there's collusion there, right? Well, but U, USC needs a travel partner. Yeah, well, I don't think that man, I'm sure USC's budget isn't the same. I'm saying these schools to think that you know these these places, you know, if oh, oh man, it's thirty million bucks. You like got to do well, it. I, thirty I think million dollars. Kind of, I think that, looking at it in terms of the payout they're going to get per year is not the point. The point is that these blue blood programs, the big name programs, they want to consolidate power and wealth in this monopoly, this cartel that's forming, this uh, super conference that's forming. And it's going to eventually be the SEC and the Big Ten. And notice that the SEC is not interested in Florida State. 
because they have the Florida market with University of Florida, right? They don't want Florida State. Well, they're the ACC's. Yeah. I don't know, where would you put those, Maddie? I mean, uh, I, aren't you kind of stunned? Miss Maddie, I'm stunned at the winner here is this, is this Big 12. I thought yeah. those guys were the ones that are going to go down the tubes. And they're, they're... Well, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought so, too. I, I, you know, they added some really good programs. How the hell did they do that? I, Maddie, if you would have guessed, if I would have asked you five years ago, and if this happens, who is going to be the winner of the Pac-10 or the Big 12? i got to believe you would have said the Pac-10. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah but, but once, to, once go, you go, saw go Texas... Once you saw Texas and Oklahoma leaving a couple years ago when they announced that they were going to leave, then the, uh, I really would have guessed the Pac-10 at so, that point. But yeah. the problem with the Pac-10 is, from an insider's position, uh, perspective, the problem with the Pac-10 is they have this uh, glorified vision of themselves as these elite academic institutions that were, first and foremost, academic institutions not the, not not athletic institutions. Well, they are Stanford, yeah. Berkeley. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah, right. But USC is like thinking, no, we're we're you know, I think we're different, and they they brought UCL along. So I think this, you know, Washington State, when you're in there, when you're in the Pac-12, and you probably don't, you know, really belong there because you're a town of thirteen thousand people on the edge of uh, uh, civilization. You know, you're in the middle of the pea fields, right? You you have this moral hazard it, it creates a moral hazard you're a part of the system right and i think it creates this really bad decision making and the pac-12 could be you know right next to the sec if they would have added oklahoma and texas when they had the opportunity uh, more than 10 years ago but they didn't they chose not to because texas and oklahoma were not up to their academic standards right and that's the problem that the pac-12 had and then on top of that the Pac-12 was the most pro-government narrative on COVID. They only had some of those teams only played three games that year. Yeah, that's true. And the, those those players flew. The, the, the t- players flew, and they just now rebuild it, right? Those teams are just now rebuilding, and you have four teams in the top twenty-five or five teams in the top twenty-five. Well, Nebraska is sort of a. Uh... They're kind of on the outer loop in the Big Ten academically too, aren't they, Matty? Is that, is they're the way? worst by far, and it's a big yeah. gap. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get they're trying to get their academic what is the AAU or AUU um, American University Union of Universities that really prestigious Big Ten Pac twelve. You know, you have to be AUU to be in our conference kind of thing. Nebraska is trying to get that right now. Yeah, Nebraska has been a disaster in the Big Ten. Yeah. They've been. They're terrible academically. They've been awful in football. They're awful in basketball. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. They just got nothing going. Why, why I, think, I think they're tied to Texas in the old uh, Southwestern Conference, or the Big Eight. What was the Big Eight? They were part of the Big Eight, yep. and then they were part well, they were, of they the – um, It was the Southwest Conference, then it, be, then it became the Big eight. eight, and then it was the Big yeah. 12. Yep, and they and were part of all They're tied to Texas with Oklahoma and Texas – uh, provide them a recruiting. Well, so Oklahoma was not in the Southwest yeah. Conference. That was Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, and those guys. Okay, yeah. But they had this tie historically to Texas through Oklahoma and, you know, then Texas. Yeah. Well, because Oklahoma and Texas yeah. played that big game every year. But yeah, the big, they had that tie in there. And that, the Big that 8 was what? Recruits. Big 8 yeah. was Nebraska, yeah. Oklahoma, and uh, Oklahoma yeah. State. No, those guys, right, Matty? Yeah, and, and the Missouri Southwest was Conference in there. was Texas. Yeah. yeah. The Southwest Conference was Texas schools and Arkansas. That's right, Arkansas. Because uh, what's his name, Jimmy Jones? Yeah, uh, I think Colorado was in the Big Eight, and yeah, now they're Colorado's moving back to the yeah. Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I would never have guessed that's the way it, it would play out. But uh, yeah, I, but, but I, you know, I think I think being in the Pac-12, we have this arrogance, and that arrogance led to a moral hazard, and that moral hazard created all kinds of horrible decision making. I just, but I, but I look at the numbers. My, I guess my reason why I started this conversation is, it, it seems like it's it's so obvious that a Northwestern, because of the money, UCLA, because of the money, has to go along with this professional sort of thing, but if you really look at the numbers, it's not obvious at all. Matter of fact, yeah. it's, it might be obvious the other way. It, I mean, I, but, but sports fans, as we all are, I mean, Maddie and I maybe more than you, Hal, but uh, as sports fans, you don't think of it that way. I mean, Maddie, if we stopped out for a drink tonight with our gang at the series or someplace, everybody would say, what are you talking about? How can Northwestern be without football? Look how important it is. And yet if you really look at the numbers, someday somebody might look at them and say, it's not, they're not that important at all. Look at the size. Not for a school like that, yeah. They might not be well, important. Well, doesn't uh, the Big Ten already have the Chicago-Illinois market with University of Illinois? I no. Mean, they really no, need... no, no, nobody cares about Illinois. In Chicago. Yeah, yeah. so Chicago is made up of all of the Big Ten and Notre Dame. So yeah. w- when you drive through the streets, there's a different different school flag on each bar on the corner. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's uh, Illinois and Northwestern are almost afterthoughts. It's yeah. That's why I don't think Notre Dame will end up in the Big Ten. I honestly don't think they'll end up there. I think the uh, you know they might end up in the ACC, but I don't think they will. Well, they're, because, in the, they're in the yeah. ACC for well, not for football, for well, basketball. Well, they're in hockey. They're, they're loose. They're loose. They play hockey. They're in the Big Ten. In hockey. They're in the Big Ten. Yeah, but they're also really tied together academically with Michigan and a lot of these places yeah. in the Midwest. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with academics. I think it has to do with uh, football markets. Well, and if you own, if you own the market, the TV market already, there's no reason to add them. Actually, Kevin, now you maybe you could opine on this. Kevin's always talking about that the Big Ten, because of their status, for lack of a better term, that they they get massive grants from the federal government as a conference and in various yeah. research stuff and then they apportion them out and he says that, that that's worth way more than the football in other words mm-hmm. if Northwestern if they don't play football if they're forced to quote leave the Big Ten it's a big deal not mm-hmm. not the football part not those money he agrees with me though that, that money doesn't make any difference or doesn't make that much difference he says but if you if you get out of the of the loop where I, I didn't realize that the conferences went and got this money as a group but evidently they do do you know anything about that yeah, well, I think in the Pac-12, that's probably the case because Washington State has got some pretty substantial uh, grants from, like, the USDA. Uh, okay. Their agricultural research is pretty substantial. And you think the conference does a lot of that digging, not just the school? I, I think so. I think there's a tie. I never really looked into it, but... Um, would make sense. But Washington, Washington State was a historic, you know, it's an agricultural state land-grant college. Cool. And it's got one of the best veterinary uh, programs, uh, I think, in the nation. And then its College of Agriculture uh, is pretty well funded by um, the Department of Agriculture. So there's definitely um, – and that's probably why the Pac-12 – and I think the Big Ten was too initially. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 were really wedded to the government's uh, um, COVID narrative. Yeah. And the Pac-12 more so than the Big Ten because the Big Ten – you know, kind of cave when it saw SEC schools playing football. What they do? Uh, six game, seven game schedule, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. David, the, the Pac-12 was the most committed to it, um, and they only did three games. Some schools did four, right? 
Manny, why is uh? Well, David writes in. This is actually this is a good point too that we haven't talked about. But he says a more sinister impact of the students getting paid for sports is that the FCS schools, which is you know formerly the one double A, are literally becoming farm teams for the bigger schools. Yeah, I mean which that's, is that's true. That's what that's the transfer true. portal does. Every yeah, year now, the, the they, they they poach the best one or two yeah. players off each team, football and basketball, from from the, yeah. the smaller. They schools. let they let the FCS schools develop a player, then they yeah they yep. poach them just like you said. Maybe. Yeah. Manny, if you're a quick question, we're running over here, but if you live in Chicago, I mean, Iowa, Nebraska, all just sort of like West. Why is Iowa so much a, a better place than Nebraska? It, as far as education? Yeah. I don't know. But it really is, though, right? Oh, it's I'm, like, yeah. Well, why is Wisconsin better than Nebraska? Why is well, I don't know. I mean, it's better? Amazing. I don't know. I can't explain it. Well, I think, I think it has to go back to the Big 8 days where the Big Maybe. 8 was all about football and the Big 10 was more academic. That could be. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's always been yeah better academics in the Big Ten versus the Big Eight, the historic yeah. Big Eight for whatever reason. And then Iowa, you know, if you're if you live in Naperville or Aurora, you're you're two and a half hours from the campus at at Iowa. Like half of their student body is Chicago area yeah. kids, and the people love it out yeah. there. I mean, so I'm, like, your lovely on, bride went there. Yeah, you're on I eighty, and you're two and, and a half hours. It's that, closer that there town, than Champaign. The town there, it's pretty. I, I spent uh, two days in Iowa coming back from Boston. When I was in graduate school, I drove from Boston to Pullman, Washington. I stopped in Iowa for two days, and I got to tell you that that community is awesome. That really? setting is incredible. Well, with the, it's like a big city, a big city college university town. Well, the it's alumni amazing. group at my Notre Dame pals is, is really strong. I would say that Jill, uh, Maddie's wife, her pals, and Ariel, who works here with us. Wisconsin are just as strong. I mean, they, it's it's yeah. just as strong. I can see Madison being like this big city yeah. uh, university town. Pullman, Washington, is a small town university town, but where I was at and where University of Wisconsin are, that's a big city university town. Okay, I mean, one of these days I'm going to have to visit these places. Hell, thank you very much as usual. <laughs> SP futures up 18, Nasdaq futures up 101. Still high, but not quite at the top, uh, but still high after yesterday. I have a feeling we'll be up again today. We'll see you tomorrow morning. We'll be back tomorrow night Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.